And so we're not going to live with regrets. We're going to move on and pass that. We're not going to be tormented by the things that might have happened to us, the decisions that we might have made that weren't right, or maybe the circumstances that we should have made a decision, but we didn't. And now we walk in regrets. We don't want that to become a Frankenstein to us. It is a monster. A lot of people struggle with regrets, and we're not going to give in to that monster. Amen? Thank you, Andy. Appreciate that. Second week we did, I titled it, When Your Bitterness Becomes Your Dracula. Listen, regrets and bitterness, regrets and bitterness. Two monsters, we're going to look at a third. But these two monsters here are tormenting and haunting people. They're not only haunting non-Christians, but they're haunting Christians. And you might be familiar with these two monsters. And so what we need to do is have victory. God is a God who defeats monsters. Amen. Thank you, Dan. I've titled this third message, and I want you to follow along with your your outline, when curses become your mummy. When curses become your mummy. I didn't say mommy. I said mummy or your mum. As if you were from Britain, your mum. We're not talking about that. Your mum might have been horrible to you, evil towards you, uh, did things against you, but I just want you to know it's not her. We're not looking at man. We're not fighting against man or flesh, what does the Bible say? We're fighting against principalities and rulers of the darkness of this age. So we're talking about curses. Curses. Howard Carter was a very well-known archaeologist. Do you remember the tomb that he discovered in 1922? Does anybody know? Who was that great leader? It was King Tut. So Howard Carter found the tomb, and the mummy of King Tut. What was interesting about this whole period of time is that the film industry, which was really starting to get going, really capitalized on all of that. There was a novelist named Marie Corella, and uh, she, she brought this to light by looking at an obscure book. She found this obscure book that said that when you tampered with the tombs and the mummies of pharaohs, you would die. And so Howard Carter, some of his team started to die Uh, very mysteriously, and so that led credibility to the curse. I don't know if you remember this. In 1999, I think it was Brendan Fraser who starred, I think I have a, a, there it is, The Mummy. Does anybody remember this movie, The Mummy? You just remember having the hots for Brendan Fraser, right? So this was 1999. It was an $88 million budget. It ended up grossing almost twice that. And, And then since that time, Uh, The mummy has become big business for Hollywood. Does the Bible speak about curses? It does. Here's just a few of the references. Don't try to write these down. Exodus 34, Numbers 14, Deuteronomy 5, Joshua 24. Now, some think that curses don't affect Christians. And so I want you to look at Galatians 3. This is going to be on the screen. Galatians 3, 10 to verse 13. Paul said this, for all who rely on works of the law are under what? A curse. So if you think you can get to heaven, this is the law. The law came not to save us, but to reveal to us that we need Jesus Christ. So if you think you can get to heaven by being a good person, by your good works, like I did as a Catholic, it's a works righteousness system, not just the Catholics, but there's others that believe in works righteousness, you are under a curse. And so that's what Paul's talking about here, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and to do them. In other words, you've got to keep the law perfectly. 
Is that possible for a human being? Absolutely not. So that means you need Jesus Christ. We all need Jesus. We all need grace. Verse 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. There it is. Justified is another word for salvation, becoming a Christian, born again. For the righteousness, for the righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So Jesus takes the sin, my sin, your sin, and it's laid on him. And then the curse that was over me was on me and on you now is, is gone. So what does it mean? Are we still bothered by curses today? Are we still under a curse? Well, in some ways we are. Genesis 3, you'll see these on the screen. Verse 14, we're talking about a curse here that you and I cannot avoid. It doesn't mean if you're a Christian or non-Christian, you're still under this curse. Are you ready for it? Here's what it says, Genesis 3.14, the Lord God said to the serpent, does anybody know who the serpent was? Satan. Anybody like snakes here? Isn't that interesting? There's hostility between man and snakes. There really is. Part of that is the curse. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. We're not sure what that serpent looked like. Uh, it might have been not like the snake that we're thinking of. We think snake. You see pictures of that. Uh, but whatever this beast was, uh, there is an indication here that this is a manifestation of Satan himself. So there's this curse. It's the curse of sin and death. It's original sin. It's the fall of man. Every human being is under this curse. And there's nothing you can do to reverse the curse. You know what, Andy? All the Botox you stick in your lips. You don't do that, but I'm just saying... And so all the Botox, the cucumbers you want to put on your eyeballs, ladies, to try to reverse the curse, all of the facial cream, all of the things that you think you can do to reverse the curse will not work. You're going to keep growing older and older, and your cells are dying even as we speak. What is that? That's the curse in Genesis chapter 3. That will not be reversed. So are Christians bothered by a curse, yes or no? Yes. Yes, so the Christian says, no, curse is... No, there are some. So I'm going to define what a curse is. I'm going to use this in this context. You'll see it behind me. It's a supernatural. Do we have that up there? There it is. Force that works to bring harm and destruction to us or hinder us from receiving the blessings of God. That's the context of the curses that I'm talking about. That there's supernatural work against your family, against you, against the history of your family, that is carried through. We're going to talk a little bit about that, what that means. This is the definition I want to work with right here, the definition of curses. I'm going to give you three. We're not even to the outline yet, so you're wondering, okay, can I fill in the blanks yet? Not yet. Hold on. Here's different curses, generational curses. These are sinful actions and harmful practices. These are destructive influences. This is your great-great-great-granddaddy who got himself involved in things that he should not have gotten himself involved in. He opened the door to your family. And if you'll notice, if you can track your family, maybe you have done this. It's very interesting for me to understand my history. I want to know, why is it that my family is so inflicted with divorce? What is that? Well, it's just because they didn't, couldn't get along. No, there's more to it than that. I really believe that with all of my heart. Because if you look at my history of my family, it goes way back. Generational. Generational curses. Remember the definition. 
I'm not saying that somebody put a curse on my family, the curse of divorce is all over you. Somebody might try to do that. I'm talking about some of these things that we open ourselves up to. We would call that evil perpetuated from one generation to the next. Is it interesting that some people struggle with uh, alcohol? Addiction to alcohol or addiction to drugs? Try tracing that back. That's an easy one. Because you can see maybe it was your dad that struggled with alcohol and your granddad. Or maybe it was your mom or is your mom and it was your mom's mom and your grand. See how it goes back. It's generational curses. Could be sexual abuse. I've talked to a lot of people through the years who, are, who have experienced sexual abuse. And then I ask questions that go back into their family history, and then all of a sudden I discover it's back there. It's back there. Here's the second one. Word curses. Don't try to write these down. These are word curses. John, uh, James chapter 3, verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and, you remember it? Cursing. Anybody, anybody ever struggled with curse words, right? Everybody have a, right, I mean, Rachel and Gary, the, the rest of the people left you hanging. They left you alone back there. Cursing, curse words. Uh, these are words James is talking about where, where we can destroy people, where we can use our words to, to bring destruction. Remember the definition, hinder you from following Jesus, hinder you from those places that God wants you to be in. They're curse words. Now, for my wife and I, uh, our curse word that we don't want in our family is, like, you jerk, right? I mean, we don't go around laying out F-bombs to each other. There's some context, some families, you hear it all the time. So Lisa and I have this, this policy in our home. We don't call each other jerk. You're, you're a jerk, Right? And so we don't say you're stupid. How many people have ever had somebody say to you, you're stupid or you're a jerk? Raise your hand. Or you'll never amount to anything. Word curses. How about shut up? Shut up. You ever heard it said like that? Shut up. Shut up. I mean, that's just kind of kidding around, right? But if I went over to Andy and got in his face, I said, shut up. Is that different? Word curses. Shut up, man. Shut up. We're just kidding. Shut up. Shut up. You're stupid. I hate you. Word curses. Some of you have heard that in the context of your upbringing, and now that's bothering you. You can't move forward. You can't move on. You're under this shame. You're under this feeling of man guilt, fear of man that brings a snare. Are you with me? Word curses. How about third, occult curses. This is voodoo. Would it be kind of creepy if you ever discovered that somebody had a doll that looks just like you, and they're sticking it with pins? Do you know that happens? This is very real in our world. Maybe not in Reading. Spells, incantations, witchcraft. John Sambura, he's, uh, he's in, uh, where is he? He's in Rwanda, buddy of mine, church planter. Got a couple other guys that were in the training center with me that are planting churches in Africa. They're from Africa. They came to Chicago to learn more about church planting. Child sacrifice, children being sacrificed to the devil. Voodoo, spells, 
being cast on people. That's the occult. Those are occult curses. Are they for today? They're for today. It's going on. Generational. Doors that have been opened. Perpetual problems. Cycles of sin. Could be drugs, alcohol, sexual abuse. Word curses resulting in this sense of you're, you've been demeaned. They're harsh. And Andy, I just love you, brother. And I was just giving an illustration there. So... It didn't come from malice in my heart. I was just trying to illustrate something. Occult curses. Uh, let me just give you some encouragement. When you go to Toys R Us, which actually isn't in business anymore, or any kind of toy store, do not get a Ouija board. You familiar with the Ouija board? Hopefully not in practice, though, right? Just mentally. We had Ouija boards in our house, like Monopoly. And so we would get around as a family, and we would do the Ouija board. What was happening there? Yeah, demons. Demons were showing up. Ouija boards, tarot cards. Listen, if you want to know your future, just go to Jesus and ask him. Don't go to a fortune teller. Don't go to a palm reader. You know, they're all over the place. I go up State Hill Road. There's one on the right. Every time I go by there, I say, close it down, God. Close it down. I don't care if it's going to affect their finances. Close it down. And then lead them to the Lord. Lead them to salvation. Don't go visit there. Does that make any sense? Because Christians, through the years, I talk to them and they talk about tarot cards. Yeah, it's just like Uno, you know. Really? No, it's not. No wonder you have curses over your life and things aren't going the way that Jesus would want you to because you're doing Ouija boards, tarot cards, getting your palm read. You don't do that. So, here's the question. We'll get into our outline. How do you get unwrapped from the curses? Get it? Unwrapped? Come on, come on. I know it's been serious a little bit. Let's lighten up a little. It's a great question. Number one, remember the cross. Here's what you do with curses. You remember the cross. Unwrapping will require remembering. And specifically what Jesus did on the cross when he died there, when he was crucified there, when he was laid in a tomb and when he rose from the dead. you got to remember the cross. Go to Mark. This is going to be on the screen. Mark chapter 14. I need you to go fast because we're going to run out of time here. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. And I want to go down to verse 72. 66 to 72. This is Peter and he's denying the Lord. So when you get to Mark chapter 14, 66, I want you to say a good hearty Amen. I don't know if that was hardy, but we'll take it. Mark chapter 14, 66. Look at it. As Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it. He's lying. Okay, so he's got this thing with lying. Where does that come from? Maybe it's in the moment. Maybe it's generational. Who knows? I mean, I think there's some history to Peter's lifestyle some things that he's been carrying, some baggage. I neither know nor understand what you mean, he said. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man uh, is one of them. But again, verse 70, but again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, certainly you are one of them, for you're a Galilean. But he began to invoke a curse. He invoked a curse on himself and to swear I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Now watch this. And Peter did what? 
What's it say? And he remembered how Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and he wept. Peter denies Christ. Here it is. It's the text. He remembers the word of the Lord. Verse 71 specifically, what Jesus had said to him. It's coming back to him. He invokes these curses on himself. He starts to swear. Where's that at in his life? Well, maybe fear of man. Have you ever wondered why you're so introverted? You ever wondered why you're so afraid of people? You ever wondered why uh, you're intimidated by people? Where does that come from? Peter might have struggled with the fear of man, a deep threat, maybe to his reputation, the way he viewed himself. Maybe there's insecurities in his life. He's invoking these curses. It's It's a sad moment, but he's remembering what Jesus had said to him. How many people have ever heard of this phrase, uh, skeletons in your closet? Anybody heard of that? There's skeletons in our closet. Well, it just so happens I want you to meet Hold on. He's in here somewhere. Come here. Get out of the closet. Get out. Skeletons in the closet. I really think that what we're going to talk about here in curses has everything to do with skeletons in our closet. And so if you go into those places in your life, this is where we don't want to open doors. This is where we don't want to confront what's really in our closets, right? What is it for you? Do you walk in shame? Do you walk in man guilt? These are skeletons in your closet. Sexual abuse in your family? Are you experiencing it now by someone in your, your family? What are your skeletons? I'll come back to you in a moment. I love verse 72. Peter said, it says he remembered how Jesus had said to him. Remembering Jesus' words and his work on the cross unwraps the curses in our life. I want you to look at Luke 24, 1 to 8 on the screen behind me. Notice. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, you're talking about insecurity. You're talking about despair. You're talking about depression. These people are battling all sorts of things. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. What's this next word over here? Do you see it? Have you fallen asleep on me already? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man and be crucified on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. They're remembering the words of Christ. They would eventually get to the place of remembering his works. His words, his works unwrap 
the curses. That's where you start. But it's difficult to remember some things, right? We forget. Anybody have a hard time with forgetting? Have you ever forgotten where you laid your wallet, Tony? Have you ever forgotten? Have you ever forgotten where you parked your car when you came out of a store? But you don't want to look embarrassed, so you start using your thing to chirp, and it's like, oh, yeah. How about an appointment? You ever missed an appointment? How about someone's name? Psalm 42, 1 to 11. Can we read it together? I'm going to read it out loud. Watch it closely. As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. This is David. He is, he is battling. He is in a tough place. And while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember. Watch. David's doing it. As I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Somebody's in the house here, and you're feeling like you're cast down. This could be despair. This could be depression. You're not able to look up. You can't see God anymore. You can't hear God anymore. And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you. I mean, don't miss this. From the land of Jordan and Hermon, Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls, at the breakers and your waves have gone over me. And by day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Here it is, curses. This is all of the stuff that the people have done against him, maybe his own family. Saul was one of them, throwing spears at him. As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. We could say haunt me, taunt me, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise in my salvation and my God. Remember, remember, remember the words of the Lord. Remember the cross. Remember he died. Remember he rose again. Does that make any sense to anybody here? That's how you break curses. That's how you unwrap what has been done. Number two, renounce the curse. Renounce the curse. Oh, we're going to get application going here in a minute. We define what renounce means. It won't be on the screen. To formally declare one's abandonment of. You're not making a claim on this thing anymore. You're not possessing it anymore. It's not going to be part of your life anymore. You're, you're saying to it, you're renouncing it. It is, it is leaving. It will not inflict me. It won't haunt me. It won't taunt me anymore. We're renouncing the curse to refuse to recognize it any longer in your life. We will declare that it no longer has a hold on us. We won't dabble with it. We won't flirt with it. We won't make friends with it. We won't shake hands with it. These things that have been in our life, maybe in present, we will no longer. We're going to renounce it today. We're going to say no to it. Our lives are filled with things that we need to look at honestly and objectively. Would you look at Luke 14, 
on the screen, 25 to 33. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, what does it say? You cannot be my disciple. It doesn't mean you literally hate people. It's not that, but as compared to hate, it's like a comparison. You love Jesus so much, you're so committed to him, that it's like hate. He's not saying we should hate. That contradicts the word of God. Verse 28, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore... Anyone of you who does not, what's that word right there? Renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Listen, if you're not a Christian, we will not play patty cake at Harvest Bible Chapel in Reading. You need to repent. You need to do it fast. You need to confess Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to renounce, you know, these things in my life that have been keeping me from Jesus, keeping me from bowing my knee. I'm turning against them. I'm not going to have those in my life anymore. I'm going to count the cost. This is what he's talking about. Will you lay down your life for him? I'm not asking you, did you pray a prayer at vacation Bible school? Or maybe at some other kind of an event, teen activity, your life never changed. Maybe it's because you didn't count the cost. Maybe you just wanted fire insurance from hell. But you didn't want to be a disciple. This is what Jesus is saying. Renounce these things. Turn against them. They're, never, they're not going to be a part of your life anymore. They're not going to hold you back. They're not going to be a part, an ongoing part. You're making decisions now. You're making decisions of abandonment. This is what you're doing as you're renouncing. I'm abandoning these things, Lord. And now I'm making decisions of consecration towards Jesus. Does that make sense? I don't, this is not going to be part of my life anymore. I'm cutting it off. Renounce. Decisions to consecrate. Now, Lord, I, I want to follow you like never before. Renounce the divorce in your, your history. Renounce the addictions. Renounce the gluttony. Renounce the pornography. Renounce the fear. Renounce the anxiety. Renounce the depression. Renounce the materialism. Renounce the comfort eating. If you don't, as a Christian, what are you going to look like? Have a look at this guy. Oh, boy. That's a mummy. This dude's been dead a long time. Can you imagine that your body can be observed? People pay money, and they come look at you, and you look like that? Now, if I was back in those days, and I knew that mummification would be the way that I would be prepared to go into eternity, I mean, you would think that maybe somebody would say, hey, you know what, can you pose me a little bit? So I can keep sending a message to everybody who comes and watches me at the museum. You know, like, eh, <laughs> you know, you know, or like thumbs up or something, you know. This is what some of you look like spiritually. You're dried up, lifeless, not going anywhere fast spiritually, just laying around, decaying, 
Do you know how many people in the Christian church are like this? Because they haven't remembered the cross and dealt with the things in their history and in their life, and they haven't renounced the curses. Can we change that? That's kind of creepy. 2 Corinthians 4, let's move on. Look at verses 1 to 4. I want vitality for you. I want life for you. I want joy for you. I want strength and purpose and peace for you. No mummies at Harvest Ready, amen? No mummies. 2 Corinthians 4, 1 to 4. We're going to move quickly through the rest of this. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. This is Paul. He's talking about why he does what he does, the motive of his heart. He's being assailed by false teachers, people that are against him. He says in verse 2, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. People were saying that he was all about using them and, and abusing them and, and manipulating them. And he's a false teacher. And they're saying all these things about Paul. He's saying, no, I'm renouncing all of that. That is not part of my life. That's not who I am. This is what we're talking about here with our stuff, our, our skeletons. That's not who I am. Where was I? Tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Let me look at another one with you. I think it's in Titus uh, 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to do what? to renounce ungodliness. Ungodliness could be a lot of these things that we're talking about today and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. We're talking about renouncing. Let's get specific. How many people have divorce in your history? Raise your hands. Look at this. This is unbelievable. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to start under your breath. Just say, I renounce that. That'll not be part of our history anymore. Uh, I'm not... I'm not taking possession of that anymore. I'm renouncing that. Talk like that. Don't look at me. Talk like that to the Lord. God, I renounce that. I renounce that. This is not who we are. This is not where I'm going in my marriage. I will not. This is what, how about drug addiction? Any kind of addiction. Alcohol in your family. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. It's up there. It's going to be everywhere. Watch this. Just say, say to God, God, my family, I'm renouncing that history. This is where it stops. This is where it stops. And listen, you might have to put down that beer. You might have to put down that wine. If God is telling you to do that, because in your history, watch, in your history, this is there. And now you're picking up the alcohol, and your kiddos are watching you. You could perpetuate this. You could per this is one of the reasons why Lisa and I completely stay away from all alcohol. It's not legalism. There is no way. The things in my history... I got to say, no, I'm renouncing that. It right here, it stops. I don't have kiddos. I have a church that's watching. Do you think I want to be a stumbling block to you? Do you want to be a stumbling block to your kids? Think about this, please listen, because it's in your history. These are curses. We got to get to the place of renouncing them. So if Jesus is talking to you, not me, it's not man guilt, it's Jesus, the Holy Spirit, saying, I want you to lay this stuff aside. Because you have a history in your family. And your son is going to end up like your grandfather. Because he's watching you. What else is it in your family? Sexual abuse? 
skeletons in the closet. How serious do we have to be? We have to be real serious with this. Second night of my marriage, I had an anxiety attack. There's divorce in my family. I thought for sure I was going to end up like all of these relatives. Do you remember that, hon? I panicked. I said, I got to get out of this marriage. Second night, I came unglued. What was that? You! You will not. I renounce you. What is it? Drug addiction? Sexual abuse? Alcohol? Drugs? Eating disorders? Bulimia? Anorexia? No! No, I renounce you! That's how serious we have to get. Skeletons in the closet. This isn't judgment. This is healing time. Start renouncing it. It's not going to be part of you anymore. It stops here. Number three. Number three. This isn't going to be on the, this, the screen. This is receive the comfort. Number three is remember the cross, receive, renounce the curse, receive the comfort. Can I just give you some book reviews real quick? Because i got to fly here. Neil Anderson. Read Neil Anderson's material. Write that down on the margin or somewhere. His name is Neil Anderson. He wrote The Bondage Breaker. He wrote Freedom in Christ. He wrote Victory Over Darkness. He wrote Freedom from Addiction. He wrote Freedom from Fear. I read all of those, highlighted everything. It was just renouncing. He'll, he'll take you through a lot of this. Renounce this. This is part of your history. It's not going to be part of your history anymore. Neil Anderson. Receive the comfort. Number three, and finally, becoming unwrapped is an act of grace from the Lord. It is supernatural. The devil wants to bring you discouragement. Some of you understand, Brielle understands despair right now, discouragement, probably some forms of depression. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 7. I got two more verses, sections I want you to see. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of what? Oh, it's so good. It doesn't say a little bit of comfort. Every word of God is pure, Psalm says. That's all, it's huge who comforts us in our, all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with the, which ourselves are comforted by God for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. We are, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. God is the God of all comfort. Receive the comfort of the Lord. And then one more, 2 Thessalonians 2, 13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself, the God and our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Thessalonians. Receive the comfort. This is one comfort zone I will not challenge. I challenge a lot of comfort zones. 
It might drive you a little bit crazy if you stick around at Harvest Wedding. This one I will not challenge. I want you to stay in his comfort zone. I want you to receive of the Lord the healing grace. Nothing's too impossible. Today can be a new day. Here's what you need to do. It has everything to do with truth. That's God's word, his promises, and distance. So we've got truth and distance. Stay close to him. Some of you need to come back to him. Psalm 91.1 says, stay in the shadow of the Almighty. That's where you need to say. How do you know when your, <clears throat> your curses become your mummy? you got recurring cycles. You have patterns. You're feeling like you're having a difficult time breaking free. How do you know if the curses become your mummy? Uh, you feel held back or held down, maybe tied up, maybe unable to move forward. Maybe there's battles with melancholy and despair and depression. Unwrapping is the grace and power of the Lord. He's going to give you that ability. Remember the cross, renounce the curse, and receive the comfort. How many people know John chapter 11? John chapter 11 is a story about a person named Lazarus, right? And Lazarus was, he died, and then they wrapped him. He was a mummy. And then Jesus comes to the tomb, and he had been dead several days. And they said, move the stone away. And everybody's watching, and what's going to happen here? And then all of a sudden, Jesus, with a loud voice, says, Lazarus, come forth. And so you see, if you watch any of the films, Jesus of Nazareth, he just, all of a sudden, this mummy starts to move and comes out of the tomb. What does the text of Scripture say? What do they need to do to Lazarus? He's, he's still bound up. He's in his mummy clothes, right? It says to untie him and let him go. This is what we need today. Jesus has called you from death. He spoke that in salvation to you. Come out of the tomb, but some of you are still wrapped in these clothes. And he's saying to you, I'm going to unwrap you. And I want you to go free. Amen? Can we stand? We're going to pray together. When curses become your mummy, what is it in your life? Can I just ask you, we're not going to bow heads and close eyes because we're a family. You might be new, and you're like, whoa, this family's intense. I promise you, if you stick it out with us, you're going to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You will grow. And you'll experience him in ways that maybe you haven't experienced him in a long time, but you're going to have to push through some of the awkwardness. So has curses become your mummy in any way? Raise your hand. You got some history, you got some things that are holding you back. Raise your hand. There should be some hands going up if God has given you discernment about your history. You're afraid to go back into your closet. You're afraid to open up the closet. If you keep the closet door closed, you will not grow. It will not happen. I want you to go open the door. Open the door. He's going to give you the grace and the strength, He's going to give you the power. He's there. You don't have to fear. God, we pray in Jesus' mighty name that during this song, your spirit is going to move. It's going to move to the left. It's going to go to the right, my right, and your left. It's going to come down and move.
move in people's minds and in their soul. Your spirit is going to do some healing. There's going to be some renouncing going on. There's going to be salvations that are going to be going on. There are going to be things happening during this song, Lord. I believe that with all of my heart. Sexual abuse. We're renouncing that in our history. Divorce, alcohol, drug addiction, pornography, all of that. We want to be unwrapped, God. We want our families unwrapped. Would you start with us, Lord? Help us by your grace to open the closet door. And by your grace, may we never, ever have these skeletons in the closet anymore. Take this song, Lord, and glorify your great name. Let's sing to him. And as you're singing, I'm praying that there's healing going on. He is Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals. Amen? That's what he is. That's who he is. Let's sing to him.